In our Bible class time this morning, Ben did a terrific job uh, updating us on the work at Carpenter Place. I want to remind everybody, it's been in the bulletin, uh, there's a table in the foyer. Next Sunday is Harvest Sunday. And I challenge you, if you, if you saw Ben, he roamed here and here, and of course you know what Toby does. If, uh, if, if you see me begin to roam, just know that every step away from the podium is another three minutes. Some of you think that's a veiled threat. That's a, that's, that's a promise. Next Sunday, if, if we will bring, uh, things on the list, and Ben has the list, Sarah Holt has the list, uh, there's a list of things that they need. If you'll bring that to the north door, we'll have folks crowd the stage. We'll let Toby down from the rafters. We'll set him right here, and we'll hem him in. I got a note late this morning that said, please, no more grape juice, grape jelly, grape jelly, and tuna fish. The only conclusion that I can bring there is that the inevitable grape jelly and tuna fish sandwiches are not going well. If you bear with me for just two or three minutes, I would like to begin our message this morning with, with an outline or just a brief description of Celebrate Recovery, and then we'll move into the New Testament lessons that I have relearned in this ministry. From our brochure, we will often describe Celebrate Recovery as a Christ-based, 12-step recovery program. And that's accurate. CR is Christ-based. Everything that we do is about the love of God, the gift of Christ, and the power of the Spirit in our lives. And that's a good thing. The 12-step may be a little bit misleading to you. Certainly we deal with, we identify, and we wrestle addictive personalities and behaviors every week. But I want you to know, and I want you to hear me carefully, that CR is so much broader than alcohol and uh, drug use and abuse. In fact, I would estimate that perhaps less than 50% of our time is spent on those issues. So we need to uh, redefine our ministry as being much more than just those two problems. The catch, the, the promise of CR is when we call it a recovery program. And you might ask, recovery from what? And my simple answer is recovery from sin. Recovery from Satan. Recovery from hopelessness. Because you know and I know that we've all sinned. We are all hopeless in this life without Christ. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. On any given Thursday, when if you were to take a look at the folks in the fellowship hall, I would want you to not consider the differences between the people, but the common Savior that all of us in that room have. There's much more common ground in that room than there are differences. In recovery, we find God's power for our lives because he has, because we find that God takes those very same life situations and turns them into good. In a very real sense, each recovery 
is a miracle because God is doing something in our lives that we simply cannot do by ourselves. Every Thursday evening, from one end of the building to the other, we have 60 to, uh, 60 to 80 folks most weeks. Sometimes we might approach the century mark. We have celebration station for the little ones. Sometimes we watch them. Sometimes we corral them. Uh, we teach them. We have a curriculum for their age because we are desperately trying to give them the footing that they need to live a good life in Christ. At the other end of the building, we have the landing, which is a terrific opportunity for courageous teens to get a hold of these things before, as adults, we wasted entirely too much time on these hurts, habits, and hang-ups. If we can catch them uh, in a teenager, uh, that is a terrific opportunity to break the generational grip of some of these uh, situations. And in the middle, we have... CR. Some adults are churched and some are not. We gather for a devotional time with either a lesson from the Word or a testimony, and then we go to small groups and we begin or we continue the work of recovery in Christ. If I were to take the time necessary to thank everybody that works at CR, that would take up the rest of our time. And I don't intend to do that. The, the people involved would not want us to. But you know who you are. And know from the bottom of, of my heart that I thank you dearly for the work that you do. May God be glorified every Thursday night in our ministry. Let's begin in Luke chapter 8. These are four lessons from the New Testament that I'm relearning in CR. Almost every week. Luke chapter, I said chapter 8, it's actually chapter 7. And it starts out like a bad bar joke, maybe. A Pharisee and a rabbi and a sinful woman were invited to dinner. And I will leave you to your own punchline. But Simon the Pharisee must have wondered, what is going on? I have my friends I have this rabbi, Jesus, from Nazareth, and, and we're going to do some serious things. But there is this woman who came into the house with or without an invitation. And Simon has some bad things to think about her. And our Christ, Lord and Savior, looked at Simon and asked him a question. He told him a little parable. And then he said, Simon, I want to ask you something. Which of them will love him more? With each of these four lessons, I don't have time to do the verses, so I gave you the verses there, Luke seven thirty-six to 50. Uh, I would encourage you to take those home and spend some time with them. Christ wanted Simon to carefully consider something that was very important. So he told him that little story about the person that owed 50 pieces of silver and the one who owed 500, and who would forgive the master more when the debts were forgiven? See, this story makes us a little bit uncomfortable, because if we are to associate ourselves with anyone in this story, we only have two choices. And we all know from Bible class that you never line up with the Pharisees. So that leaves us to identify ourselves perhaps with the sinful woman. See, she knew her sin. 
Everybody knew her sin. She's identified as a sinful woman. What we don't know is how she came to understand that Jesus could forgive her. But when she learned about Jesus, when she learned about forgiveness, wow, did she come to grips? Did she fully appreciate her forgiveness? She greeted the Savior. She cried as she stood behind him. She wet his feet with her tears. And Simon was disgusted. Simon was confused. And Jesus needed to get his attention. See, Simon Simon had not just forgotten his manners, as Christ pointed out. Simon had forgotten his forgiveness. When we meet somebody on Thursday night for the first time, we don't know their story. We know that they're hurting, or they probably wouldn't come into the building. We don't know if they fully understand Jesus and his forgiveness yet, but when we meet that person and we understand, we come to know that they have found forgiveness in Christ, we see their appreciation of forgiveness. And it reminds me that I should be more thankful. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 8. One of my favorite stories, it's an early church miracle. Perhaps I only find it miraculous because I would never be able to chase down a moving chariot. I couldn't chase down a slowly moving chariot. But the Spirit came to Philip and he said, look, there's somebody that I want you to meet. I want you to go from here to there. The the Ethiopian is returning home and you need to talk with him before he gets out of range, out of sight. The Ethiopian was a government official, perhaps wealthy, perhaps well-educated. At the very least, Philip and the Ethiopian had so very little in common. The the eunuch uh, had come internationally to the Passover. We have no idea whether or not the eunuch had any idea of what happened in that Passover. We don't know if he was aware of Christ. Uh, in in any way whatsoever. We just know that he was leaving, he was going home, and the Spirit told Philip, you have to catch up to that chariot. Go to that chariot and stay there, which is an interesting phrase. There was very little common ground between the two. They didn't have a reason to start up the conversation. So the Spirit told Simon, t- told Philip, just start slow. Listen to what he's reading. Ask a warm-up question. And let's see where we go from there. And see, that's what we do on Thursdays. We don't have to chase the chariots. The chariots come to us. And when they come in, we don't know anything about their life story. All we know is probably they're desperately seeking our Lord. And it's just one of our jobs to help them find Jesus. We probably will not have very much in common with the people that we meet. And that's okay. All we have to do is say, hi, my name's Doug. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. He's, recover- he's helping me recover from anger and bitterness and resentment in some unplanned job changes. Glad you found CR tonight. We go to worship, we go to small group, we get better acquainted, and I might ask him or someone will ask this new person, 
Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand anything about our Jesus? And then we'll take it from there. Acts number Acts chapter 26. A couple of you are watching me carefully that I don't veer away from the pulpit. I appreciate your concern. The third New Testament lesson that I hope to relearn every week from CR. When Jesus calls, we need to listen. Acts chapter 26 is the third retelling in the New Testament of the conversion of Saul. Have you ever wondered about that? I didn't get it in Acts chapter 9. I didn't get it in Acts chapter 22. There's a third retelling. So let's call that Saul's testimony. And that's something else that we do at CR. When you've been at CR long enough to go through a step study and you have achieved a certain level of, of recovery and, and the blessings are overflowing in your life, we ask you to, to draw that up in a document and we ask you to present your testimony to folks on Thursday night. It's a terrific blessing. It's a terrific blessing. And Saul had a conversion, Saul had a story that begged to be retold. And Paul told it twice. The reason I picked Acts chapter 26, as often happens in your testimony, the more you tell it, the more personal you become as you retell it. And Paul, when he told his story to Agrippa, added something critical that's not listed in the ninth chapter or the 22nd chapter. It's only listed here. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 26. We're going to pick up the story, and you know it well, in verse 14. Paul is speaking, We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And those two parts are already known to us from the other, from the other telling. This time, Paul adds this, the words of Christ. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. you have any idea what that means? The word goads is listed twice in the Bible, once in Ecclesiastes, I think it is. I have often wondered what this question was. See, it happened on the road to Damascus. But Luke didn't see fit to tell us about it, perhaps because it was Paul's story. Paul didn't tell us about it in Acts chapter 22. Paul apparently wanted uh, the king to know this part of the story, so he added this very personal idea that Christ, on the road, knew Saul so much better than himself. Christ, when he called Saul, knew that he was a good man, knew that he was a man without peer in the Jewish hierarchy of things. I suppose that Paul was convinced, Saul was convinced, that he didn't have any hurts, habits, or hang-ups. But see, Christ knew so much better. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to not listen to my calling. Is it possible that the oppressor of the church, that perhaps Saul was already struggling with what he was doing? We don't know that. This is the first time that, that any mention of hesitation on Saul's part is made. 
But there's a reason that Jesus asked the question. There's a reason that, that Paul included it in his testimony. Christ knew that Saul was wrong. Christ knew that Saul was desperately in violation of God's plan for his life. Christ knew the plan that God had for Saul's life. God was going to restart his life. Take a look at verse 17. I will rescue you from your own people. And from the Gentiles, I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. God had a plan for the Apostle Paul. He has a plan for us. Point number four, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Our reading from this morning. One of the critical lessons in CR. To set the backdrop just a little bit, Paul is working with the church at Corinth. They had quite a history. Paul wrote two books that we have recorded. He probably wrote three or four books, and, and Paul is working hard on the Corinthians. Perhaps to, to answer some of their questions, perhaps as part of his testimony to them, he told them that he had been, that he had been blessed with a vision from Jehovah. We don't know what the Corinthians thought of that. Paul knew that such a vision might, might breed pride in him. And so then he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited as a result of this vision, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Paul prayed at least three times to be done with this. I don't think he was praying for relief. I think Paul was so committed to God that he saw this thorn as, as an obstacle to his service. He prayed to God three times, take this away from me. I'll be so much better for your service. Just take this away from me, giving me more strength, more power in your service. It seemed like a reasonable prayer. I suspect that Paul was very intense in that prayer. And the Spirit gives us a terrific insight into God's plan for Paul. I believe the Spirit in this passage gives us a terrific realization about our ministry at CR. Lesson number one, Paul, sorry, lesson number one, God really didn't need Paul's power. God didn't need any more of Paul's power. It's a little bit counterintuitive, don't you think? God blesses us with abilities and time and resources and gifts, and, and if I just had a little more of something, I could do that much more for God. That is the, that's the mindset of this world, and, it's, and it doesn't sound unreasonable until God says, Relax. I know that you have this weakness. My grace is sufficient 
for you. Chill. That's in there. May not be in your version, but take a look at one of the updated versions. The mystery for me is how long it takes from when God says, my grace is what you need, to when Paul says, I got it. Maybe it, maybe it was instantaneous. Maybe it took Paul a little bit of doing. But the conclusion that Paul reached is terrific. Second Corinthians 12. God picks it up in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul responds, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am strong, I knew I was going to mess that up. For when I am weak, then I am strong. After seven years of working with this ministry, we're still working on this one. We're still working on this. We keep making plans because I think plans are good. Plan, plans represent our, our effort to be good stewards. But with all our ministries at Northside, and especially with Celebrate Recovery, it is God's ministry. It's God's work. He will bless us with new people at the door when we have enough people inside the building to walk with folks. And I believe that fervently. As we plan for our ministry, God doesn't really need my power. God doesn't need the power of all the people from one end of the, to, of the building to the other as we do our best to serve him. God's power will be revealed to the people that we serve as they come to know us, as they come to understand our weaknesses. Celebrate recovery is sometimes humbling. There are certainly life stories and situations that I've heard in CR that I never would have heard anywhere else if it hadn't been for CR. I've been in situations with with various people at CR where I didn't know what I was going to say next. They didn't know what I was going to say next, but they were looking at me, and I was looking at them, and we had been in prayer, and something needed to be said, but it wasn't going to be my words. It's God's power revealed in my weakness. CR Sunday is just a little bit different than Mission Sunday. And know your Bible Sunday because we don't need your money. We need a little bit of your money. Let me correct that. If, uh, if you're in any one of the four adult Bible classes and, and we pass around that envelope every week, know that we take very good use of that money. We need 50 or $75 every week to put out crackers and cookies and coffee and, and things that, that help 
people fellowship after they've worshipped and after they've shared in small groups. If you want to see some true Christianity and fellowship going on in the fellowship hall, it starts about 8.15 on Thursdays. We do solicit open hearts and perhaps a little bit more of your time. After a new look at CR, I invite you to take a new look as how you spend your Thursday evenings. Would you perhaps take me up on this challenge? We need three hours a week for about three months. Three hours a week for about three months. And we can start at the first of the year. It's a little crazy between now and the end of the year. What's the best that could happen if you're called to any sort of service at Celebrate Recovery? After this look at the ministry this morning, that's what I want you to think about. What's the best that could happen if you rededicated a little bit of your time, if you're called to this ministry? I want everybody to stand up at this point, at this time. We're going to sing our invitation song in just a minute. But perhaps our favorite verse in the Bible about CR is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to leave that with you this morning just before we sing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God.